1: If I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. Tribe, whatever you're doing, stop, pull over to the side of the road. You're going to want to listen to this next episode with Sophie Howard. She's going to be the maven of online businesses that you have never heard before.
0: And I'm just super excited to bring this content to you today. Yeah. And if, by the way, if you're not on the side of the road, doesn't mean you have to get on the side of the road to listen to this episode. <laughs> but you will be fascinated by the fact that you can buy businesses online that are already operating and you can turn them into a profit very quickly. On this episode, you're going to hear Sophie talk about how she's bought 20, 30 of these businesses. Everything from Kindle books to um, doing uh, online products. It is it is just amazing. To blogs. Right? Blogs. Newsletters. I mean, there's all these things. I didn't want to give it all away. Okay. Don't, don't give it all. Away. thinking Please. about what do I need to give? What do I not need to give? I don't know. But here's the key is that I was sitting here just taking notes going, Sophie is like a female version of me. Yeah. I mean, you know, blonde, uh, <laughs> female, and in New Zealand, all the things that I'm not, but still like <laughs> the fact that she loves just buying in bulk. She's always fascinated by new ideas. She's coming up with new ideas uh, of, of way these business can operate. And, she wants somebody else to run it. Like I was too totally in uh, tune with what she, you were saying.
1: That's right. Now, she's given us a specific code to her, her new course, wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash freedom navigator. You're going to want to check that out. So I'm going to go ahead and drop it here now. wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash freedom navigator. But in that course, she's talking about how to buy businesses versus building them right? How to buy a business that you can outsource the operations. Uh, This is, I'm not telling you how because you have to listen to the episode, but you're going to have your mind blown. And then lastly, how when you're buying these businesses, they can each cross-pollinate the other one with certain assets that each one has uniquely that that business owner doesn't know about from the other one. So this is your opportunity. If you've been looking for the side hustle that will get you out of that nine to five, You need to listen. If you're looking for a way to scale one business that you already own into multiple businesses, you need to listen. And if you're just like, I don't know what to do, you need to listen. This is your opportunity. Let's not take any more away from this new person in our tribe, Sophie Howard.
2: Welcome to the
0: Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Wealth Without Wall Street
1: tribe, get ready to meet the online business investor herself, Miss
0: Sophie Howard. Sophie, so glad to have you on the show today.
2: Thank you very much for the opportunity. Really looking forward to this.
0: Uh, I am definitely going to be listening, Joe. You better be taking notes because you are no online business expert. I've been watching <laughs> your, your 100 unicorns business fail for many years. So get the pen and paper ready for her. This all is right. it. This is where it all gets better, Sophie. <laughs> That's right. No pressure. All right, Sophie, uh, I, I would love to take you back to the moment where you became a brilliant online business investor. Talk to us about that that time. What changed in your life where you thought this is what you need to be doing?
2: Well, um I've got two young children and had the the permanent trade-off of holding down a very good day job but also just not enough hours in the day. And so way back when I first started my first online business, it was just really this complete pinch point of seeing that my children were spending their days doing all this fun stuff with the nanny. They were out at the beach. Um, I was in a cubicle at my laptop typing away and um really not giving my children that time with me I wanted. And I was just feeling like financially it made no sense to pay for all that childcare. And, um, you know, you just get so exhausted burning the candle at both ends. Just you stop looking after your health so well and just did not want to work like that. And I could see the path ahead. I was, you know, in a well paid, good job, but with flexible hours and paying a nanny. And I could see the next stage up was whatever sort of pay rise. And maybe one day you get the corner, maybe one day you get your own secretary or whatever. But it wasn't really calling to me. And then I started an online Amazon business, actually, which went very well and um, spent the time at home for the next few years running that. But I had a bit of a change of plan during COVID. So um, what I'm doing now really pivoted as COVID hit. So I had a complete shift in the type of business, how I operate and uh, a whole whole change of the game. So. Um, A couple of years ago, I was about to head off to a big trade show in India with 90 students of mine who were learning about sourcing physical products, and we'd go to this big trade show in Delhi. It was pretty wild. We'd do a day at the Taj Mahal. Um, We'd stay at this fabulous five-star hotel and get looked after like kings and queens. It was really, really a cool trip, and I used to do it a few times a year, and it was great. It was like, well, I find my Amazon products. I help my students. They meet each other and me, and we spend quality time together. Wonderful. What could go wrong? Well, the borders all closing and uh, no one's allowed to go anywhere. So um, that screeched my uh, trips to India business to a halt with the coaching and the Amazon side. And also some of those Amazon products and where they were manufactured and the supply chains, not so much places where they were made, but just sort of the logistics of getting them out got really tricky. And what customers were buying really changed. And um, so that seemed like a good time to have a little think about something different. And one thing that had always worked well um, while I was selling my products was a book I'd written. So I started uh, publishing eBooks on Amazon, and that's still something I do. Um, and then a year or so into that, I was doing nonfiction books and wanted to learn about fiction. And so I was trying to think of how I could learn this. You know, there's all these courses out there and there's people who are authors But I actually thought, well, one way I could do this is actually just to buy a business and through acquisition, fast track straight through to having a ready built team, a ready selling library of books, not wait for all the months for the ghost writers to write them, not me do all the keyword research, which books are selling, um, not find the team and all the systems and figure out which strategies you need to do, which conferences I needed to get to, to learn stuff. I just bought a business. And I bought that one um, through an online business broker, actually not one of the mainstream ones and uh, did a a really good deal. And so I got a huge discount for paying in cash and it was less than I thought it was going to be. I think really when people are selling a business, they've really checked out. You only put your business on the market, which is a lot of effort to prepare it to sell it. Um so when they want out, they just want out in a clean cash deal without, you know, ongoing engagement or performance of the business terms is really appealing. And um, obviously you have to present yourself and your game plan and have some good conversations with the vendor about what they want to understand what's driving them, because sometimes they do want the cash, but it doesn't matter if it's staggered or, um, you know, maybe there's other decision makers in there with them as well. Um, But this first deal I did was fantastic. And so instantly I was earning uh, tens of thousands of dollars a month extra income. Um, I feel like I paid a really good price for the return I got compared to anything else I could have invested in. It was a phenomenal return and I didn't have to do any work. So all the previous Amazon brands I'd um, built up, all the books I'd published with ghostwriters myself, I'd pay the money. I'd wait for the work to be done. I'd have to review it some would work great, some not so much. Um, you know, there was all that trial and error, the upfront cash, um, the time lag of building the thing. And then still this uncertain, will it fly? Will it not fly? How much stock should I order? You know, you just everything was trial and error. Uh, is this design good? Is that supplier good? Um, uh, exposed to, you know, all sorts of different um decisions all the way through so many decisions to make and you have to get every single one right whether it's branding finances building a team launching strategies learning about the platform it's on so much to learn so much to go wrong potentially and then just through wanting a quick sort of head start on some learning rather than the cash flow but i just wanted to learn a strategy by buying i was like why wouldn't i just do this for everything now so I then went and bought a newsletter business in the publishing space. And that makes me 90K profit a year every year and came with the same girl who runs it, who still runs it for me. And it's no work at all. The only thing I do for that business each week is check in a Skype thread that she pings me on each week, what the sales were and how much the list's grown by. And it's brilliant. I do nothing. (laughs) I could never have built that. The cost of paying Facebook ads now or whatever platform to build that email list would be hundreds of thousands and it was just sort of an asset that was thrown in for free with the business because the calculation on the value is always just around the net profit but when you buy a business you get those years and years of all the sweat and all that sunk effort that's gone in as an investment into the business but you don't actually pay for when you buy it so no. uh,
1: okay sophie i gotta slow you down just one second I just heard you bought one business that has an operator already in place that makes you 90K. You just, all you have to do is check on how much money it made the last week. I love that one. Let's get to that one in just a minute. But the first one, I may have missed this. What type of business was it that you bought that did not require you involved in that?
2: That was a fiction publishing business. So there was a pen name and a team of writers, and I'd been looking around casting about trying to find individual writers on Upwork or through different agencies who could help me scale my publishing business. So I knew how to do that, I just wanted to do it faster and I wanted to learn all the winning strategies out there for that industry. So rather than test them out myself, I just bought a business that was absolutely top of its game with what it was doing was really really profitable and there was a whole team there that knew what to do and I got to keep that team as well. So
0: but, but gotcha. that wasn't the first business, Joey. You missed it. She said that she was running an Amazon business that was selling traditional products, right? Because she was going to India to source those products. Then she started creating her own books and selling those on Amazon. Then she bought a book, uh, bought a uh, a nonfiction book business. And then she bought a company that was doing newsletters. Okay, wow. Th- there's a lot of this in here. What I want to understand though, why? Why is all of that important for the person listening? Why, Why do, Why if I'm listening to this, Sophie, Do you, could I believe that I could put myself into your shoes? How could I do this same exact thing? Is it that you just had this very specific level of knowledge? Why did you know that you could do all of these things that you're doing?
2: Well, there are lots of different paths to that same end goal of having new sources of income. And basically, you can either work harder in the day job or create something and sell it. And then the third strategy is buy something that's already profitable. So I spent a long time working hard in the day job, like maybe a lot of your listeners, and also a lot of time doing that classic entrepreneurial grind, you know, the the nights and the weekends around your day job, while you try and figure stuff out, maybe you enroll in a course, maybe you um, start, you know, study the subject or um, try and figure it out yourself. And that's quite hard work and can be expensive. And there's a lot of wasted money and wasted time with that. It's very rewarding when you get to the end and it's certainly a real buzz building your own business. And I love it. So I'm still building a few things of my own. But I think this strategy that I just tried the most recently, and I've now done about 28 of these different acquisitions. So some were just very small, basic WordPress sites and some were six figures. Just 28,
0: Um, Stian, just
1: 28. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to keep up. I'm, I'm counting on my toes right now. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, so the um, the buying an existing business just it's, makes so much sense because there's a lot of just dead time that's not productive as you build a business. And so the dream is you own your own business. The dream is you've got a new income stream. And the classic thing that an entrepreneur would do is go, right, well, what platform and what kind of product or service is the smart thing that I should create that's got a long shelf life after all that work creating it how am I going to pitch it how am I going to compete with the existing sellers of those sorts of products what are the rules of the game on that platform there's so much to learn um and then you may or may not succeed and actually the stats on the succession bit are not so high um you know people pivot and change but actually quite a lot of these entrepreneurial ventures fail, either the product was wrong or people just run out of energy. They just get burnt out, chopping and changing and the grass is greener over here or over there. And oh, that's changed. So. Um,
1: so let me let me jump in just one second, Sophie. What we always talk about the show, the investor DNA, like how you <laughs> see the world, who you are as an investor is actually more important than the investment itself. Yep. Because if you if that's misaligned, you're, you're not going to do well. Either you're not going to enjoy it or it's not going to perform. But if you are aligned, it can really take you to the next level. And it sounds like you've very much aligned with your own investor DNA with this. For the person hearing this and saying, this sounds really interesting. What would you say is your superpower? How you see the world that makes this a great fit for you that maybe they can learn from?
2: Sure. That's a really good question. So I firstly apply some filters to find that sweet spot, and everybody's going to have slightly different filters. So, I'm really bad at technology, but um, that's just for me. So, I never want to take on an investment that requires really advanced tech skills or running a development team. That's just not me. So, my kind of broad view is that um, I can afford any one deal, and if it didn't work out, I wouldn't, you know, I'd obviously be upset. there'd be some ego and pride and hopes and dreams dashed, but I never play a really risky game. I'm pretty conservative. I'm pretty low tech. And I look for really quality, small online businesses that I feel that I can grow. So not everybody who does this strategy would have those criteria. They might not want to try and grow. They might just want to sit tight and like my newsletter business, just see how much money it's made each week. Or um, they might... Really feel they can scratch that entrepreneurial itch by buying something sort of half built, but they can see a way to double the income by popping it on another platform or turning that awkward, clunky service thing into a product or something. So there's ways you can improve a business. Um, I like to have um, a little bit of overlap. So I don't want 10 unrelated investments in my portfolio. I don't want one thing on WordPress, another thing on social media, another thing on Amazon, another thing on TikTok, don't really think I'm in the TikTok generation, but um, yeah, most of mine are, if it's on a website, it's always WordPress. So if something is for sale and it's on some weird and wonderful platform with some homemade code, just I'm out. So I've got my own acquisition criteria, which means so many businesses for sale out there, I can really quickly go, that's too small. You know, there's as much work on a small deal and for a small income stream is a big one. Um, I also don't want to do million dollar deals. There's other people in this space who, you know, ex um, actual Wall Street. You know, there's people who are really big private equity background. You know, they see seven, eight figures and don't flinch. Well, that's pretty scary to me. Um, so I like to accumulate that every deal I do adds to my bottom line of profit and income each month. And I really like learning. So I. Um, That's been great. I've learned about all sorts of different products and industries and customers, and I've inherited some fabulous email lists through this, which I can kind of cross-pollinate. A lot of my businesses I've bought have been something to do with publishing, or um, I've got a lot of content sites on WordPress that have just affiliate links and advertising space on, and they're little, but there's lots of them, and they're really easy and really simple to own. And I really like that I own the content, so I tend not to buy businesses where big bullying companies can throw you out or be mean to you with no notice or you know, no appeal process. So I don't want a Facebook driven business. Um, I don't want to have a group on Facebook. I don't want to be paying for my customers through Facebook ads that can only go away and get worse and get harder and you can be gone overnight. So I like to control um I've never bought an Amazon business um I did buy that first it was actually a fiction business because I wanted to inherit a team of writers who were hitting the big time with their books they were writing it wasn't non-fiction that was fiction so it's a really good way to get a new team in so that's been something I found really hard you know you have a new assistant they're great six months later they have a howler of a mistake you can't do everything yourself but um you know I'm sort of pretty type A personality, but I'm no perfectionist. But even with my standards of being pretty relaxed about most things, depending on who it's going out to, um, uh, you know, my own internal stuff, I'm pretty relaxed and casual. But, you know, it's really, really hard to get good staff who also stick around if they're fast enough to keep up and entrepreneurial enough to understand what's going on. They're generally out doing their own thing or planning on it while they're working for you. So um, I've been able to get good coaches, but I've found it really hard to get good operators who I can just totally set and forget. So it sort of brings in a natural cap of how much I can do at once just by having a really yep. small team. It's basically me plus two.
0: Well, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you're, you're basically staying within your niche. You're finding the areas that you uh, have found to be successful for you. And then you're just growing and scaling, but going deeper into that. I think sometimes people hear, oh, Sophie did 28 different deals. I need to do 28 different deals. No, you were doing deals in and around the same exact area. And I love what you talked about as far as buying businesses that have email lists, because email is the greatest way to scale. And then that you can then use those email lists to cross pollinate. So fascinating.
1: If you've listened to our show for any length of time, you've heard us talk about infinite banking and how we were able to use that concept to create over $50,000 a month in passive income. But it's just not that easy to figure out how does this all connect into my
0: own personal system. Stallion, that's why we created the passive income operating system, bro. It shows you how to turn active income into passive income. It makes all the steps come together. If you would like to get access to it as a podcast listener, we've never given this away in public before. Go to what's forward slash P I O S. There was nothing worse than walking into class when you're in school and the teacher saying "Pop quiz day. Why? Because you were unprepared. Are you unprepared though for financial freedom? Don't be. Find
1: out how close you are by taking our 30 second quiz at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash quiz.
0: All right. One of the things I do want to go back to, though, before we get too far ahead, you mentioned, you know, obviously everybody experienced this to some degree, all of us, probably at all degrees. When the COVID shutdown happened, it, it changed the way we did business. I would love to talk about, though, why it's so important to to you and to the person listening to be considering buying or running some sort of online businesses because it does stretch past borders, right? I mean, think about in your situation, if you only, when you were running that business pre COVID, if you had only been able to sell it to uh, sell your products to people that were there in New Zealand, as compared to now, all of these customers you have are probably all over the globe. Talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, well, living in New Zealand, there's not a lot of customers here anyway. So I always started, my very first thing I did in business was online and global right away. So I just sort of made that a non-negotiable at the beginning. I have actually bought a business locally recently, um, which would be an interesting experiment. So the biggest advocate ever for buying online businesses, I've just bought a doggy daycare business. So every morning, 45 dogs rock up to a business I own in Christchurch in New Zealand and have a great day romping around with their friends <laughs> so anyway that's a little aside I, I'm just sort of I always test things out and have a bit of fun um, it's a cool business though great numbers on it anyway back to online um, yeah this stuff I've been doing hasn't just survived COVID it's really thrived you know the um the methods for you know even signing documents for big agreements everyone just ping-pongs a few um DocuSign legal stuff the lawyers can review stuff remotely you don't need to go anywhere to do anything in business now you can do all your learning online you can join your inner circle events you can listen to podcasts and you know, there's so much learning you can do online to plug the gaps you need you can hire all the staff you need online Upwork, work and so on um you find your customers online i don't even focus on the us i just do everything's always totally global so if i'm selling something on a website I make sure it's advertised everywhere and accessible to customers everywhere um, some of those slightly smaller countries end up being more profitable so i learned this through the publishing business my best-selling books are all in italy <laughs> so I'm, i've got the number one book on dog training in italy <laughs> wow. anyway um, but there's lots and lots of dog training books in the states written in english so sometimes it's good just to not ignore the long tail of um where the smaller groups but maybe other you know the the sophisticated marketers aren't all there Oh, so. The
0: Italian stallion is taking notes right now. He can go to <laughs> Italy and be a top producer in some sort of thing. Top dog uh, is what I heard. Top dog in Italy. That's <laughs> a,
1: that's what I'm working on. Yeah.
2: So, so Sophie,
1: the, let me let me. Uh, I'm sorry to cut you off. I I want to back up one second. I know you have a course that teaches people about online businesses and maybe where the the niche may be for them. And we've got a a a site that we created here, street.com forward slash freedom navigator. And I want to just get into the course in a little bit, but before we do, we've talked about three essentially totally different online businesses so far, right? An Amazon business, we've talked about a publishing business and now a a blog of sorts, like a, a newsletter type of business. What would you add to that as far as some of the main ways people make money online that maybe maybe some of those didn't quite hit with the person listening? What would be yeah. maybe a handful of other things? I don't know if there's one, two, three. How many would you say there are?
2: Oh, There's probably half a dozen, maybe five or six big kind of groupings of online business models. And actually, the start of my course gets you to do a quiz and profile yourself. And then does a run through of what all these different business models are that suit you best. So something like a software as a service business is always just, it looks so dreamy on paper. You know, the profit margins, the license to print money with each new incremental customer costs you nothing. Um, you know, the valuations when they get sold are sky high. But a software business isn't for everyone. I actually um sort of got a little one but it's not my space um but they're really lucrative um you just need to be quite sophisticated with the tech side and have a really strong marketing game to get that one going you could buy one um but that's sort of the most complex of them the simplest at the other end of the spectrum would be a basic wordpress site with some quality content outsource the writing and throughout that writing have affiliate links that earn you some commission have a banner ad on the side and on the top of that page. The that you some ad revenue. Bingo, that's a really simple, you can buy one of those for $1,000 and I could teach you how to do that in a couple of days. Um, there's great platforms to buy them from. So you can see all the Google analytics. So flipper.com or Empire Flippers has loads of listings of content sites. So I love a content site for the simplest model. And you can always build something off the back of it later or build your email list off something that pops up on it. Um, And then we've got things like the newsletter business, which I'm a very big fan of. So I've got a couple of these on the go. So you'll have maybe read the trends or the hustle newsletter. You know, there's some paid ones that are really, really quality, um, keeping you up to date in different areas of business or a lifestyle interest. So you would pay someone to write them or curate them each week. And then they could potentially be sponsored or have people pay to place their products in the article, in the weekly newsletter. Um, and you can pay um, to subscribe to it. So you could actually have your readers have to pay to access it because it's such a useful thing they want to stay current with each week. Um, So that's a good format. Then you've got kind of classic e-commerce products, which could be on Shopify. I sort of bundle Amazon in there, but I tend not to buy an Amazon business. It's really hard to see the data because Amazon kind of owns all the data and you don't get an email list with one of those. So products on Amazon or e-commerce, um, I don't really touch social media businesses. I think that's a totally specialized other game and they change fast and it's tough on that. So I'm not a big fan of those, although it can be a useful lever to add. And then you've got things like um, digital products. So it could be an online course or some kind of online asset that's sold purely digitally. Um, and those can be nice businesses as well. So um, something like an education product, a course that sells online, an ebook about it, a, a bit of a webinar training, and then a short course. You needn't be the subject matter expert to teach some of those, or you pay for someone to produce the content for you. And those little funnels are very easy to deliver, really quality, provide a great service for the customer. And if you find a nice tight little niche that's not full of aggressive, hardcore marketers, you know there can be some really nice wins in that space. So those are sort of the big platforms. Um, yeah. you've got yeah. WordPress blogs e-commerce and then sort of the big platforms like Amazon for products.
1: I want to point something out, Russ, that she's been talking about so far that I think really speaks to you and me. And you may correct me on, on this, Sophie, if I missed it, but it sounds like the ones that you've had the most success with already have some form of operator in place, right? That's the way you keep it as passive as possible um, so, so the publishing group already had a staff of writers. That's yeah. amazing. And yeah. then the newsletter group, you said the lady who writes the newsletter is still on staff with you. Like she's the one that keeps it going. You just bought the business. And, yeah. and now the things that are interesting to hear is like you even mentioned the blog, being able to buy, uh, the blog, but then outsource the writing, which to me is just brilliant. I never would have thought about something like that. How common is it though, to find a business with the operator that goes with it or with a kind of a known operation that you can lean on? Because that to me would seem like difficult to, to replace in buying a business with like if they, the owner was the operator, now they're no longer there. Like that kind of causes me to like question, how would I be able to keep this thing going? How, how often do you see those?
2: Oh, well, it's part of my decision making criteria, you know, what's the worst case scenario if the staff that I thought I was getting all quit on day one of working for me, or they just weren't available as part of the deal from the beginning, or, you know, if the owner, the vendor selling it doesn't cooperate with me at all afterwards, you know, you get your two weeks handover, and that's it. But even that might be hard if they're not a nice person and you've got no rapport with them so a lot of that sort of softer human skills and we teach a lot of that because it's really important you need a really good relationship with the person you're buying from they've spent hours thinking about this thing had all sorts of ideas they never implemented so an example i've done recently so i bought for seventy five thousand dollars a business called the guitar junkie might as well share some of the deals I've done. And, um, it's not the world's most beautiful website, but I paid 75 K for it and it reviews guitars and, um, we have some advertising space and I get about five to six plus K a month profit from that. And it came with a team of writers, but I also ran an ad on Upwork looking for people who were guitar teachers who could, um, help write blog articles on a regular basis and it's sort of a generic enough subject there's enough guitar teachers in the world and I got dozens and dozens of quality applicants and it's not so technical a subject you really struggle to find someone so then I saw that on Amazon there's an opportunity to publish on Kindle books about learning guitar for beginners for adult beginners so I got my blog writer that I hired on Network. To write that book for my publishing business that book then points everyone to the guitar junkie website to get the guitar reviews and then I'm also building an online community where this guy who's the teacher he's actually Pietro in Sicily <laughs> in Italy so he's going to, he's written the book for me he's doing blogs as we need them but he's also going to do he's done the book as an audio book so that could go on audible just repurpose that exact same content but with the sound files for the playing and the narration. And then the next phase is we're going to build a little community of people who are looking to learn guitar skills as adult beginners, and they can get a lesson a week, and I'll maybe make that free and build the email list short term. And then maybe later, it becomes a weekly sort of paid community lesson. Um, And people are a member of the group, and they can share and get feedback on their playing, can connect with other like-minded people. Um, And then if people want one-on-one lessons, you know, Pietro can help us find a you know, a sk- online school, because you can do online music lessons now as well. So we could have an, aff- an affiliate referral link to other people who were teachers and instructors one-on-one. So mm. just bringing people together, there's lots of things you could do with that site. I could have also done nothing. And I could have also kept the existing team who are still there writing books as we need them. But it wasn't too hard to build out some new ideas and plug in a new person to sort of take it up a gear. So that's been a really fun project. I know nothing about guitars. I've never picked up a guitar in my life. Um, but there's so many passionate people wanting to play and so many passionate teachers who probably aren't that well paid in their day jobs who you can give some you know, income to and they produce some new digital assets for you and you just keep selling that same digital asset again and again.
0: Well you're just using your brain to think through different ideas to expand the thing. I Joey, I'm, I'm sort of interested if Pietro uh, can teach me how to sing. I don't care to play the guitar, but singing would be interesting. He's he, not a miracle worker, Russ. Um, he plays the he plays the dang guitar. Okay, that's that, there's no miracle there. Uh, tribe, you're listening to Sophie, and you're hearing that there's just a world of opportunity out there. A couple of things you said throughout this interview. One, you didn't possess like a tech background. Wasn't like you were like amazingly um, successful already in a tech field. And so like just dealing with online businesses just made total sense to you. No, that wasn't the case. You also mentioned that, hey, while SaaS is, you know, there are lots of SaaS companies out there that make lots of money. Also, they cost a lot of money to run and operate, and so they can be highly expensive. And and that's not where you have to do. You can find little small niches, but then just using your imagination, using your curiosity, thinking through what would be interesting to you. I think probably you're able to think through most of those ideas just for the guitar junkie business because you're like, I don't play the guitar. So in order for me to play the guitar, what would I need to know? And you started probably thinking about those things. That's so, so, so cool. So is it very typical because you mentioned and I've heard you say this a couple of times in this interview that it seems like most of the businesses you're buying, you're basically buying at one X, the, the profitability. Is that very typical where I bought the guitar junkie business for 75? It's typically making around five to 6,000 a month. So by the end of the first year, I basically got all my capital back and from that point forward, it's gravy. Is that a very typical value uh, valuation that you have? Uh,
2: that was a pretty good deal. Um, and Usually, broker- I'd say that's
0: a good deal. That's a hundred percent return on investment. We'd call that a good deal.
2: That was a good deal. We like that, and very little work for me. Um, <laughs> so like that one. Um, what usually happens is a broker for most sort of smallish sort of my league of online businesses that scale. It would usually be on the market for sort of about three times the net profit annually. Um, so. I try and get the price down. So that can be um, just through good negotiation. So I actually teach a lot on negotiation. So my last day job was in the New Zealand government in, as a diplomat in the foreign office. So learned a lot about negotiating in my government job. So I've done lots of that. So teach that. Then you've got the power of cash. You know, if you're in a cash buy situation, you should be getting a really hefty discount. Um, but the other thing you can do is get a thing called vendor finance. So a lot of people listening to this might be thinking, well, that sounds all very nice, but I don't have the cash to go out and buy a great big online business for tens of thousands of dollars. But you actually don't necessarily need to put very much down up front because often the vendor wants the money for it, but they don't necessarily need it all up front if they haven't got any other buyers and there's way more businesses for sale than there are buyers. The game's yours as a buyer, as an investor. So, if you can um, ask for a thing called vendor finance, this is one of my screening questions for all deals. You know, can the payments be made? You know, quarter now, quarter in six or twelve months, another half next year. It actually can be very beneficial for the vendor for tax to do it that way as well, because even if there's, um, you might have a bit of interest on that or not. Um, I try not to pay any interest, but if they get a dollop of cash, they get taxed really heavily on that capital gains. Um, so they often just want to filter it out or maybe the business is for sale because of some health thing or a divorce or something and it's you know it's not important to have all the cash today they just want security and the deal done um so usually I don't I've never paid the asking price and I've got my best discounts in the total amount by having cash which is thanks to my very nice publishing business but if I wasn't in that position and some of the other deals I've done I've just asked for vendor finance so I bought a business earlier this year that does design templates for publishers. So um, templates where um, people do low content journals or planners and publish those on Amazon or Etsy. So I know nothing about design. I'm not a designer. But my subscribers on this very big email list I inherited pay $10 a month for these design packs once a month. And I pay a designer once a month to do some templates that they get shared out and some keyword ideas. So it cost me a couple of hundred or so dollars, a few hundred dollars to produce the monthly pack. And a bunch of people subscribe to that each month. And um, that's a really simple model, but some of the subscribers had to change platforms because the guy building it had built it on his own PayPal account and his own um, Gumroad account. It was really hard to migrate it. And we'd had vendor finance that also said, I'm only going to pay for the people that came across after the migration. And so it brought the price down a lot, but it totally cleared out all the people who were about to leave anyway. So we've had very low churn since we bought it. I got a massive discount on the price and I still got to stagger those payments. So that was pretty good. So Mm -hmm. I always ask for vendor finance, even if you've got all the cash. It means you can do more deals. All your cash isn't taken up at once on the first big deal you do. 100%. I don't like to have too many on at once. One or two at once is good now. <laughs> I did a bit too much at once with too many WordPress sites and uh, <laughs> had a bit of a content backlog to clear. <laughs> but I've uh, outsourced all the writing. I use niche website builders to write all my content. They do all the SEO, all the keywords, all the pretty pictures and formatting and pop it in the WordPress sites for me and they've been fantastic. So um, you don't need to do all the work yourself. But uh, And it's not for everyone to do this. You've got to you know, kind of back yourself to make a decision. You could study every business for sale forever, but that's not a very good strategy if you don't actually pick one and, and run with it. Um, And some people will want to grow them and others will want to just sit tight and be a proud owner and operator of an online business that's up and running profitably. So I've grown a few, but the newsletter one, I just sit tight, I do nothing. I don't touch it, I don't dare break it. It's just so good. So
1: I love this. Sophie, <laughs> There, uh, obviously you have a vast amount of knowledge in the space being an online business investor. And we could listen all day, mainly because of your accent. Um, <laughs> but secondly, because you have so much to share. I think it would be great if we could, we're just going to highlight one more time, how people can connect with you. Wealth without wall forward slash freedom navigator. Uh, we'll also have you in the app. So if people want to reach out to you individually, um, you know, they can reach you there, but At the the minimum, team, tribe, this is your opportunity to learn how one of these online businesses may be your path to financial freedom. And as you heard today, it can look a lot of different ways and you don't have to be the one to do the work. At the end of the day, financial freedom is passive income, greater than monthly expenses, and we don't want to create another job for you. And this at the very uh, outset sounds like the path that a lot of people can take action on for not a ton of money either. So, Sophie, thank you so much for being willing to come on, share with our audience. Is it okay for us to have you come back, maybe at one of our live or virtual live events in the future?
2: I would love to, I love talking about this. And when you've got longer um, and a chance to sort of do a deeper dive into it all, you can share more about how the journey varies for everyone, do deep dives into case studies of real deals, and everybody's going to kind of personalize their path through this. And it's really fun doing that because um, there's so many businesses for sale and um, there'll be one out there that's a really good fit for your criteria. You just need to work out what your criteria is, your appetite for the risk, the budget and the time you've got to put into it. And then and then it's just so quick. You make that decision and the new income stream is yours at that moment. And that's a really cool thing to be able to buy.
1: Absolutely. Well, Sophie, thanks again for being on. Tribe, thank you for listening to this episode. It This is all about exposing you to your own path to financial freedom. If you found value today, please stop whatever you're doing and rate and review the show and share this with a friend, somebody that you know who is looking for a way out. This may be the entree that they were looking for. So please share it and help us to continue to get the word out about wealth without Wall Street Thanks again. We'll catch you on the next episode.
0: This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.